0: Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas is in hog heaven. They've won the first ever
1: national championship.
0: Still missing your free throws, Wes? Who cares? They don't show free throws in Sports Center. Here's Washington. On the
2: drive. I don't know if they will make any change, but I figure it's time for me to start playing ball. And they do it in stunning fashion. Over the number two team of the country fact is I missed the shot I walk away I'm still a chump.
1: you're listening to the halftime podcast did the basketball season finish last night for the Arkansas Razorbacks well last night I mean I mean yesterday afternoon uh boy uh, it certainly looks like uh, the season could be completely over and there was nothing that went yes that went on yesterday in the the, lo- the second loss of the season to Florida, uh, that would make you think that Arkansas right now is uh, even in an NIT team, or even if you if you get a bid, if you're one of the lucky teams to get to uh, to get a bid of the NIT, if you want to use the term luck, uh, that you might even be able to pick up a victory or so. Uh, a team that went into the SEC tournament with three consecutive wins, talking about how energy was up. The shots were definitely going down. You'd started to uh, pick up a little mojo of late, and facing a team with three straight losses, uh, and I guess I have to believe the coaches when they say that uh, once you get into a to any postseason tournament, whenever, when the regular season is over and this and the slate, so to speak, is wiped clean, uh, you can't take your streaks with you into the postseason. Uh, so you know, I heard Mike Anderson on the pregame show talking with Chuck Barrett about how this—it's a brand new season. The slate is clean. You know the difference about the third season now. I call there's three seasons in college sports. You got opening day, which is the start of the reels of the actual regular season. You got a second opening day, which is when you start your conference regular season, and then a tournament. Uh, tournament has an air of finality to it. If you lose. Uh, you you lose you when your record is zero and zero in November you lose that first game hey no big deal you got another twenty nine thirty to go you lose the first game of the conference season and, you know it, maybe you shake your head a little bit but you got another you got another fifteen to go when you lose your first game in the postseason certainly in basketball you're done more more often than not you are absolutely done. And there are a lot of teams that don't look at the SEC tournament or their conference tournament as really in a, a, sp- a spot where your season will end. Uh, but uh, that's exactly what may end up happening to Arkansas. Probably what should happen uh, after uh, not just a disappointing end to the season, but an overall disappointing record at 17-15. and 15. Uh, may- Maybe there are some who say that this team finished exactly where was expected. And, and and maybe that is the case, but uh, you you go into the you go to this SEC tournament knowing that you you got to go out there and play your best. You gotta you gotta get a couple of the wins to at least be in the conversation for a bubble spot in the NCAA selection selection committee office, uh, and and definitely you're going to need a couple of the wins even to make a, a strong case for an NIT bid. If that's if if just playing in a postseason tournament is your thing. Uh, But it didn't happen yesterday. Florida made the case they needed to make to stay as a bubble team and perhaps one of the last four in. uh, But they will have a chance, you know, right now, actually, to uh, continue to make their case against the SEC regular season champion, LSU Tigers. Now, LSU is one of those teams, Ty, that if you lose your first game in the so-called postseason, you're not done. They. You know, they they gotta be pretty comfortable with where they sit right now. They're gonna get a two, they're gonna get a three, uh, no matter what, even if they lose this ball game, I think that the, the L S U goes no lower in the seating than three.
2: I would agree with but, you on that.
1: Mm-hmm. But for but for Arkansas, uh right now, I mean how if you really want to play in the NIT, you probably have to cross all ten of your fingers if that's humanly possible. Do the same with your toes, cross your arms, your legs, and your eyes because I just don't I don't know if it's going to happen. What a what a diff, what a disappointing performance. How bad was I off on my on my prediction for the final score? I should have trusted Florida's defense a lot more, knowing that they'd already shut Arkansas down once. Uh, but this is what we talked about yesterday. That was that was 9 weeks ago. That was a different Arkansas team, or so we thought, or so we thought. Yeah. Their two lowest scoring outputs of the year. Come against Florida, which has to say a lot about Florida's defense, or maybe how they're able to bottle up uh, Arkansas's offense. But uh, what a disappointing outcome yesterday! And you could just see from the start. I'm sorry when when Jalen Harris and Gabe Ossaboyan take your first three shots, that's never going to be a good sign for an explosion offensively. What did I? I thought they'd win seventy-eight to seventy. I was close on how Arkansas would defend Florida. I was off by four points. Goodness, I was off by 28 points on what Arkansas would score. Just a shocking out. Maybe not shocking that you lost, but that was the exact same thing than the first time around against. We just could not find a way to score.
2: Yeah, not good against Florida in SCT tournament games. Two and five overall against the Gators. You got that win last year that you hadn't gotten for quite some time. Arkansas just wasn't able to get anything going offensively, Phil, in the second half. Think about this stat. Arkansas outside of Daniel Gafford goes 11 for 37 6 of 24 in the second half 25% in that ball game. They couldn't hit jack in the second half. Florida turned up the defense like other times this season. You can look towards Kentucky, you can look towards a couple other games where teams turned up the defense on Arkansas and they simply didn't have any answers last night. Gafford, what did we talk with Bob Hold about? He has to be the center of this basketball game on offense if you want a chance to win the game. Phil, he doesn't get double-digit attempts last night. He goes six for nine, shoots 66%, so he's shooting at a high clip, but he only gets off nine shots in the ball game. That is not the recipe for success, and I don't know how many times we have to repeat it seems like the same thing over and over again, but let's go back to rebounding. You know how many straight games Arkansas has out rebounded in SEC play, Phil?
1: I mean, you're going all the way back to January now. I think mid-January.
2: team The yeah. last time they out rebounded an SEC opponent was coincidentally Florida. They have not out rebounded a single SEC opponent since that game at Bud Walton Arena early January. They did out rebound Texas Tech surprisingly. They only got them by it was either like one or two boards. It was really close. You're telling me. In 17 straight SEC conference games, you can't out rebound your opponent. That's not about size. That's about will. And and I know Isaiah Joe and Daniel Gafford this yet, addressed this yesterday but they just didn't want it when it came to the glass.
0: The reason they were getting offensive rebounds is because we were playing soft on the inside. We weren't boxing out. You know, stepping up to this type of, you know, atmosphere, I got to come out and I got to play stronger than what I did tonight. So I just got to, you know, do better on my part.
2: Well, um, bottom line is they just played a lot more aggressive than, than we did. They wanted it a lot more. Um, going down the stretch, you know, they had all those offensive rebounds and they, they, were just, they were just beating us to it, to the 50-50 balls, to the long rebounds like Dan said. We weren't getting our bodies in there. But they're a real aggressive team, and we knew that they were going to crash the boards going into the game. We just didn't adjust to it. We didn't match their intensity. Tournament games, you have to increase your toughness, your vigor, your intensity. That has to all go up. Florida's did yesterday in the second half, and Arkansas stayed the same, or it even went down.
1: Well, and you know, look, part, part of this also is overall energy, I think, for the entire game was down. For, for the race. right? I'm not going to blame the the, the the time of the tip. I'm not going to blame the idea that things change once you get into a uh, a, a tournament setting. Uh, even though they do, that I don't think that's that has anything to do with why uh, it seemed like the energy was down. Um, but look, hey, for a team that's supposed to that had been playing with energy over these last five games, they took a season low 46 shots. So I mean. It, you end up 37%. That really puts a premium on every shot that you take. Only rebound nine of your own misses. You have plenty of misses. And Florida pulls down 19 offensive rebounds, end up with an 18-6 to edge on second-chance points. Plus, the Gators, who are by no means a downtown shooting ball club, make eight three-pointers. Arkansas goes four for 16. and uh, and And while Arkansas didn't have anybody that was able to step up on the offensive end, Kevon Allen and Keontae Johnson did what they needed to do for Florida. And Kevon Allen just does what he does against Arkansas, what which did I... is own the Razorbacks. And you, you, you predicted mm-hmm. it again. Look, I mean, he finished with 18 points in the first game, one fewer this time around. Uh, but he, he he buried some big three-point shots. And it, it was at the foul line more in January in Fayetteville. Uh, this was more from the field. Um, and, I mean, look, Allie, Johnson had a big game, double-double, 20 points, 12 rebounds, pulled down half a dozen offensive boards. Nobody on Arkansas had more than two offensive rebounds, and that was Daniel Gafford. And what was going down in those last eight minutes? Uh, you know, that reminded me so much, maybe in a different way, of the SEC women's tournament when Arkansas held Texas A&M scoreless for the last six and a half minutes. Yeah. Of course, they were coming from 15 points down in that ball game uh th- This is where Florida just took a what was I think a two or a four point lead and just ran away with it at the end you were You were just waiting for something to happen for Arkansas to answer every rebound for Florida, every stop that Florida made, every shot that Florida made, but it never happened. Nobody stepped up and was able to do it and boy it just it it, it, it I would say that this is it feels like a microcosm of the season for arkansas poor out uh, poor shooting, poor rebounding. But then again, this says more about how you match up against Florida because a team that holds you to 51 and 50 points in in the two games you played this year, it's just a bad matchup for Arkansas. Not just this year. This is the kind of stuff that they've been doing to the to the Razorbacks for, what, about four or five years now under Mike White.
2: And I still think they haven't won in Gainesville since, like, the mid-'90s. And I could be wrong. I might need to double-check that stat. But you can't blame that, Phil. You can't say, "Oh, it was a bad matchup." It's not like you were playing the number one seed in this SEC tournament to start. But you're still, out.
1: Play, you're still playing a good team, and the, I mean matchups but matchups it, have to matter in some cases. But Florida it just seems to have a, a way of stopping Arkansas, making them look like uh, like a team without any energy. And and they, they, hey, they came. They didn't look like they had any energy in the first game against Florida. Yesterday against Florida, either. Um,
2: that 's almost like a built in excuse though and i 'm not no, si- it,
1: and i, I it 's not an excuse it's it's saying look Florida's a better team than Arkansas is, and it looks like they're a better team by far that they are able to grind them down to a complete utter halt uh, so and 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 one of the reasons why it feels like a microcosm is because of that roller coaster you just never knew what you were going to get just as soon as you think they're playing good basketball, the bottom drops out you know i mean after you win. A few games in a row and you, and you pick up a couple of SEC wins, then the bottom drops out with a six game losing streak. You think you might turn it around with a couple of nice performances near the end of January. then the bottom drops out again, you end up coming in with a three game winning streak into the SEC tournament, and the bottom drops out again that's what That's what a bad team does you can't you can't continue your your momentum. you can't continue your mojo, and this was a team that for for the entire season just had a lot of a lot of uh, trouble taking anything positive from the previous game or the previous two or three games and, and carrying, in, carrying it into the next game.
2: One of the things we mentioned yesterday, and I think you and I disagreed in a little bit, it was the impact of Keyshawn Embry-Simpson possibly not playing. We found out close to around game time that he wasn't going to play. Here's what Mike Anderson said, had to say about the loss of Keyshawn Embry-Simpson not being able to play against Florida.
0: I mean, we are the sum of all the parts. And we had an important part piece missing. Keyshawn's a very good defensive player. Uh, Keyshawn is a guy that can stretch the floor. He's built for these kind of games. And uh, so not having him hurt us a little bit.
2: So with him, Phil, I know he's only averaging a little over four points a game this year, shooting around 25% from three. But you just didn't see anything really, even from Mason Jones. Mason Jones didn't really do that much yesterday coming off the bench. And you had to play kind of bigger. Against Florida, which wasn't exactly ideal for a smaller ball club, and I, I think it hurt. It it, it 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 doesn't he doesn't necessarily pop off on a lot of depth not depth charts but a lot of stats this season outside of LSU and then the shot against Vanderbilt he hit. But I think his impact that he would have had in the game, I think that would have helped Arkansas a lot yesterday, just for the ability to at least keep Florida honest in terms of four spacing and then just give Arkansas some more depth, because you talked about it seemed like they had weighted legs yesterday. I think that was pretty evident, not only because of the game time, and I know that throws you off and everything, but Arkansas is supposed to play this press up and down style, and they couldn't get even remotely into it in the second half.
1: Well, in order to do that, you've got to you got to rebound. You have to rebound. You got to get stops. weren't enough of those. And I'll say game score give me a, too. I'll score. I'll say give me a break about Keisha and Embry Simpson. That's not why you lose a game. That's not why you don't have any but energy. It's, the, it's the, the
2: impact of what happened. Like you can't you can't tell me that hey, when you have when you have to pull more more bigs off your bench, Phil, and that you don't have who's the who did they pull off the bench of guard Mason Jones. That's it they had off the bench. That, you he can't. has
1: not. He has not mattered enough. He played eleven minutes the first game against Florida. Even when they're playing well, these last four or five games, he's playing ten minutes against Ole. That's Man. ten minutes. He's you out didn't there get. for nine minutes against Texas A and M. That's
2: nine minutes you didn't get,
1: Phil. Well, then you need you need a better bench. If if he's, if he's <laughs> the reason why you, <laughs> you think no I'm going to argue about game. that, I'm not going to argue need, about that. Their need, bench has been horrendous. S- you need so much more. It's it's not a matter of not having him. And look, this is also a team that. That that had that didn't miss a single game because of injury until this one, and 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 all the ups and the downs during the regular season. You had Keyshawn Embry Simpson there, and he was no stabilizing factor to begin with. There was no stabilizing factor available for the team yesterday because when it comes right down to it, they don't have they haven't had from game one through game what is it, thirty-two, they have not had that stabilizing factor. It's supposed to be your ball handler. It's supposed to be your best player. Right now your ball handler can't shoot. Your best player can't get the ball enough. And it's a team that the season's the season looks like it's over right now. I mean Daniel Gafford can talk all he wants about I gotta get better at this. I gotta get better at that. Yeah, he's done. He's done. This this team's not going to the NIT. And Daniel Gafford is not coming back to the University of Arkansas. It's it's over. It's that's exactly the way it feels. It, yesterday had a sense of finality to it.
2: Here's Daniel Gafford on what he's possibly going to do next season.
0: Just waiting to see what happens with the NIT situation. I guess whatever happens happens for us. Uh, no, I've just been mainly focusing on the team right now.
2: Phil, just play devil's advocate with the NIT. LSU was able to get in last year with an 8-10 and 10 conference record. So I wouldn't say 100% they're out. Now, I'm kind of with you. I'm leaning toward more on the boat that they're not going to get on the NIT based on... Because if they win that game against Florida, they're in. And Florida's probably out of the NCAA tournament. But because of what occurred yesterday, Florida's probably in the NCAA tournament and Arkansas is on the outside looking in in terms of the NIT. But that's one of those things where... There are some fans that don't even want Arkansas to accept a bid, accept the, the acceptance, which I don't understand the reason behind that. I guess yeah, they're just say, butthurt at if this you, point. If
1: you get an invitation to it, take it. Yeah. you got an, you got enough young players on the team where it could actually, maybe it helps a little bit in the idea of of, uh, of getting some postseason experience. I can understand you know frustration that a fan might have about not wanting to play in the tournament that when you're on the outside looking in doesn't matter, but when you actually do start in the tournament play those you want to you want to get out there and win those games but i, I for me i just don't i just don't know if and, and look there it's a it's a pretty um uh, it's a pretty exclusive tournament i mean you got 68 teams in the ncaa what do you got 46 in the nit and are automatic bids that go to the last team uh the highest seed in each league that doesn't get uh an ncaa bid so right then and there you, th- there's really just i don't know three handfuls of 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 at-large bids for, for, for the NIT, and I think it's pretty difficult to get into it.
2: So regardless if you make the NIT or not, let's kind of set the stage for this Arkansas basketball team in the offseason. Daniel Gafford oh, is leaving. Can you imagine? There have been some rumblings, Phil, that Isaiah Joe will at least be looked at by NBA, which would just be a disaster for this coaching staff if he decided that he needed to leave after one year. He has a lot more time that he can develop and get better. But, Phil, the honest question, and it's our halftime poll question, what do you have to look forward to for Arkansas basketball in 2020? Because the one recruit you brought in is probably going to go out for spring football. He might be even a better football player. I don't know if you heard, about Isaac McBride just won the Arkansas high school I know. player yeah,
1: Kansas, of the year. I know. Yeah, Gatorade player Gatorade of the year. Kansas the, commit. He's going Did to he even get an offer. Did he even get an offer for, from Arkansas? But I heard that they they said well, they waited because they didn't have any scholarships available. And they can't do that. How, with
2: the Best player in your state. You just can't. And how, do that.
1: how every year now there's been there's been somebody leaving the program. Came so on Allen, here. Malik Monk. I'm not even just saying this, from the state. I'm saying from the program itself. You know, guys like C.J. Jones, Darius Hall. Jordan Phillips this year, there's always been somebody that has up and left the program so there had been, uh, you know, available scholarships. Yep. It feels like a miss because you got a kid who's right there in the rock and he's going to go play at Kansas.
2: Yeah, and I mean there's, well, who's the lefty went to Middle Tennessee State? That's name is escaping me. Lefty had a, a crooked shot, was the player of the year in conference. I, I'm blanking. I, for those, someone tweet at Phil and I at Phil Ellison PXV at TI Sports Radio. I cannot believe I'm forgetting crooked shot lefty Player of the year in that conference. Um, just, and you had Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, man, there's just like, they're, 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 go- like, what do you have to look forward to now? And I, I'm I serious because, again, I just reiterated, Gafford's gone. Your best player that is supposed to be in this recruiting class, your only player, is possibly going to go out for spring football. And here's this stat actually Tommy looked up. Do you know Mike Anderson in seven of his eight years outside of that 2015 year with Portis and Qualls has had double digit losses every single year?
1: Still, never had a, a losing season. That though. is true, and, and here it is again. I mean, it's it, you know, you get a chance to to keep that streak alive. So I it stands for something, but so, so does making the NCAA tournament and advancing in that tournament.
2: And I, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer because, again, like I, I went to school with you, but I don't want just this, this this program to come crumbling apart before my eyes as I am talking about on sports radio. But I cannot, for the life of me, Phil, find something that is positive heading in. To this 2020 basketball season outside of maybe Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe and that this these group of core group of guys are getting to play together one more year because there's really just not anything like there is not anything tangible that Mike Anderson and this coaching staff can point out and say that's a huge building block we can build on because after the 2016 year you had Barford and Making coming in. Like there's been stops and players along the way and different points in this tenure that Anderson and the staff have been like, Oh, we got this coming, we got this coming, this is gonna happen, blah, blah, blah. But now it, it just and it's Jacory Williams, by the way. I don't know how I forgot that. And and
1: Sure, yeah, and he left the program. And Jimmy yeah. Witt
2: yeah. was the other one I was thinking of. I don't know I don't know why that blanked me, I just thought of it. But
1: You were saying you called him Jimmy Chitwood, and, didn't you? <laughs>
2: I called him Jimmy Chitwood Hoosiers, and I was like, That's not his name. But Like, it's just frustrating. And you should be frustrated right now as an Arkansas fan because there is nothing positive outside of what I just listed that you can look forward to.
1: Well, we'll find out if the season is over or not. Uh, Late Sunday night, 7.30 on ESPNU with the NIT Selection Show. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at PhilelsonPXP and at TIE Sports Radio. Beard ahead to Gaffert. How about a windmill? meal? Let's put a little exclamation point on it. The hogs are moving on. For Baseball Spotlight brought to you by Supercuts. Conveniently serving your community seven days a week. Clean, sharp, ready. This
2: guy's a first ball, fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh, yeah? So what? Nancy Mikey.
1: The Hogs are going to Omaha. I a was a big well, we appreciate Supercuts with our Baseball Spotlight every Friday. And Fridays are always good days to spotlight college baseball specifically, and maybe no better one than right now today because it's the start of SEC baseball play SEC teams finally playing against each other so now we'll learn a lot more about this Arkansas Razorback team we'll do a little bit of that right now too with Matt Hobbs who is uh, in his first year as the Arkansas Razorback pitching coach after spending uh, the last four years at Wake Forest and uh, Matt we really appreciate your time especially on a game day so what's uh you over at Walker Stadium and uh, what's the what's the scene over there right now
0: I think there's a lot of guys that are really excited to get things going in SEC play. A bunch of guys around the field right now and about ready to eat a team meal here in a little bit and then get ready to roll.
1: So the thing that stands out about your pitching staff right now is a crazy amount of strikeouts against a tiny little bit of walks. Got one of the best strikeout-to-walk ratios in the country at uh, over 4.1. And averaging eleven and a half strikeouts a game, under three walks per nine innings. But it gets so much tougher when you're when you're playing SEC caliber teams. So is this the sort of team that you think can continue to to strike batters out at that rate and keep the walks low as they have done?
0: Yeah, I don't see any reason why we're will change too much with the with the start of SEC play. I mean, maybe the strikeouts will come down a little bit because you're facing some better hitters, but in terms of the strike throwing um, i think that's just kind of the mentality of this group you know they're a tough they're a tough group of kids and they believe in their stuff and they're going to throw it over the white thing uh, more times than they're not they're they're very confident in what they do so i i think that the strike throwing will continue with with the group that we that we pitch the majority of the time
1: how much of strike throwing is a matter of confidence cuz you you know you hear it coming from fans and probably from broadcasters like you know why can't you get it over the plate it's so much easier said than done and mechanics are part of it and the batter that's up there and what's being called as part of it how much of strike throwing is confidence in your ability
0: i think a lot of it is confidence in your ability and just a commitment to the pitcher about to throw and you know these guys have the ability to throw what they want to throw out there they have the ability to get to the pitch they want to throw the one they believe in and Know I've always been a big proponent of that as long as I've been coaching, and I think that you know these guys have kind of grasped onto that, and they believe in what's coming out of their hand, and that's the, the most important thing. More important than the pitch that's called, more important than the location, more important than really anything is they, their belief in what's coming out of their hand, and I feel like this group really buys into that philosophy, and you know they trust what they do, so it, it makes it pretty easy to work with these guys.
1: You know, it seems Isaiah Campbell has been very, very confident in what he's throwing in in his stuff, and and it's not that he hadn't been in previous years, but to see him maybe even more confident as a junior. But I want to ask about and You saw this effect last year with Blaine Knight as a Friday. So you want to talk about somebody that pitched with confidence? Blaine was was a guy just like that. How how much is it? How, what's the importance level of a Friday night pitcher to 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 be that guy? to pitch with the ultimate confidence, to be that ultimate competitor, to sort of set a tone for what's going on for a big weekend series?
0: I think he said it great right there. He's a tone setter. And, you know, that's the kind of thing the rest of the pitching staff feeds off the rest of the weekend. And, you know, Isaiah has been able to do that all year, really. And, you know, since I've been here, and, and, and even going back to some squad outings, when he's on the mound, it was just a little bit different in terms of, you know, how he felt about his stuff. And, um it just looks like he's in 100 percent complete control out there of what he wants to do he's I think he feels like he's prepared his midweek work is really good and I think that's where he um he doesn't I don't know if he separates himself from the rest of our pitching staff because I think their work is all really good but I think he'll separate himself from other pitchers around the country because of how good the midweek work is and he's just as good on Tuesday as he is on Friday and I think that's the most important thing to development as a pitcher and he's really grasped onto that and Makes it important, and the, the work that he puts in is, I think, why we're seeing such a you know, maybe an elevation of what he's doing.
2: Our baseball spotlights presented by Supercuts. Matt Hobbs is our guest, Arkansas pitching coach. Matt, which pitcher has surprised you the most with his stuff at this point of the season?
0: Man, that's a good question. I think a lot of them. I mean, the other day when Elijah Tress came out there and was running 93 to 95, that was pretty surprising. <laughs> I don't necessarily think I was expecting that, but. Um, you know, Jacob Kostyshock took a big leap you know, when he went from the rotation to the bullpen in terms of what the stuff is doing. It's kind of 90-94 as a starter, and the other day it was running 97s on the board and a really good slider that was three or four miles an hour harder than what he'd been throwing. So I think that was a, a little bit of an uptick, and I don't know if it was a surprise as much as it was, just good to see. Um, but you could really pick anybody out in terms of what the stuff has looked like. I mean, they're all they've all been really good.
2: So heading into your first conference series, what do you think the biggest adjustment is that your pitching staff needs to make heading into SEC play?
0: Um, I think just not making the moment too big. You know, if we if we didn't adjust anything that we have done in terms of how we pitch, we're going to be fine. You know, in terms of the strike throwing and the commitment to the pitches and being able to hold runners, their position, and all the things that we've done so well in the preseason. If we can just make the moment about the moment and not make it about the fact that it's SEC play, then I think our guys will be fine. And, you know, hopefully that starts tonight with against a good club in Missouri.
1: You gotta be tired about, you know, I don't know about necessarily talking about it, but hearing about if you pay attention at all to it, the the conversation about Connor Nolan with football and baseball, but I just want to ask (laughs) about him in a baseball sense. Because he threw five scoreless against Louisiana Tech before things kind of you know fell apart a little bit in the sixth inning, and that 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 looked like it was his best performance. What did you see from Connor in those first five innings against La Tech that he needs to come out with this Saturday against Missouri?
0: I think it was really commanding his slider, and that was a big focus throughout the week. Um, we we were able to do a little bit of video work with him and kind of show him what the ball was doing, and I think he. Now had a better he had a better feel for what the ball was going to do based on some some stuff in the bullpen. His his midweek bullpens the last two weeks have just been fantastic. So I think ability to command that pitch, the slider, and pitch to both sides of his play, the plate, the plate with his fastball, and not just fall in love with throwing two seamers and be able to really ram his four seamer in there when he needs to, and also go to the curveball. You know when the slider. You know when maybe he maybe needs a strikeout. You know ability to just use those three pitches and then be able to functionally show his changeup. I think. His mix is really important to him. Um, a supreme competitor that sometimes is, you know, gets a little hard headed out there about a certain pitch, and he just needs to use his whole arsenal. You know, it's nothing—certainly nothing bad about Connor. It's what makes him so good. But he needs to be able to go utilize his entire arsenal when he's pitching, and I think he's going to do that. He definitely did it against La Tech, and. We could kind of see it coming, kind of see him making a little bit of a jump just due to the fact of how good his work was during the week. So we're excited to see him do that again this weekend against Missouri.
1: You mentioned about the video work, and I know that you've, you, you've been heavy into the video work and installing uh, certain you know camera systems uh, at Wake, and, and, and I think Arkansas had already had it too. But it seems to me that the ability to – Slow down to thousands of frames in a way now that you might not have even been able to about maybe five, six years ago in college baseball is such a leap forward for coaching pitchers. Just because you can tell them to hold a pitch a certain way, show them how to, how to snap it a certain way. But when they can see themselves doing it on video in a way they never could before, is this just, is this just a giant leap forward for pitching coaches?
0: yeah I think so. I think that there's there's so much information out there now, and you know us being at a place like Arkansas we have access to it so us being able to use high speed video and then also match that up with the ball tracking systems that we have with our appsoto unit and our in the p d c and then also the trackman unit out on the field, having both of those things together really make it a easier to make some actionable change on pitches for guys. I think that, you know, hearing about the numbers or just seeing the video, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. But being able to pair all these things together and use all of these tools that we have as coaches, is it, it is making a quantum leap forward in, in coaching pitchers. And, you know, you see it all over the place in professional baseballs, you know, getting onto that that trend now, too, with, with using these different types of things. And I think that it's, it's only going to keep getting better. It's, you know, Baseball's going to change you know, more in the next three years than it has in the past 30 years. So you know, that's an exci- it's, exci- it's an exciting time to be a pitching coach with all the things that are out there that we have access to.
2: Matt Hobbs is our guest on Supercuts Baseball Spotlight. Matt, I'm curious, coming over from Wake Forest, have you had to change anything in the way how you coach these guys compared to where you were as a Demon Deacon?
0: Uh, not really, honestly. That's your coaching philosophies. I don't think change too much from place to place. You know, I don't, I don't really feel like I'm coaching any different than I was at UC San Diego. You know, 15 years ago, I feel like the players are a lot different. You know, we're we're dealing with some pretty talented guys here at Arkansas. You know, we didn't have that talent level at Wake Forest. Certainly, um, we had some good pitchers there, but just not the depth. Um, when you look down this this pitching staff at Arkansas, it's certainly the most talented one I've ever had a chance to work with, and. Um, also, just the way these guys work—it's you know you don't—I I don't think you have to do a whole lot of motivating groups like this because they're so self-motivated and the type of kids they are. And you know the job that Coach Jorn and Coach Johnson did ahead of me to get them ready to do what they're doing currently um, goes without saying that that foundation was laid long before I got here.
1: So let's break down quickly what what would be your philosophy on on pitching? You know, and, and sometimes some pitching coaches have just simple mottos that they go with others have you know long thought out philosophies what 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 what's Matt Hobbs philosophy of 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 being a pitching coach and what do you want from your pitchers specifically
0: I just want my pitchers to attack specifically in terms of what I want them to do and that means a lot of different things you know attacking the strike zone attacking locations attacking their work I want that to be a mantra that that they use on a daily basis to attack whatever's in front of them and for myself it's you know, my philosophy on being a pitching coach is my job's to get the pitchers to their ceiling, whatever the ceiling is. You know, for some guys, the ceiling is going to be pitching in the big leagues. For some guys, that ceiling is going to be being a left-handed specialist at Arkansas. For some guys, the ceiling is going to be, you know, a conference starter that has a great college career and goes and plays in AA for ten years. Um, my job's to help them get there. My job sees everything that I have in front of me, and you know, some things I don't have in front of me yet to help them get to where they need to be. And, you know, that's our task as coaches is to try to get the guys to their ceiling as players and as people. And um, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's just kind of the way I've always looked at it.
1: No, I think it answers it very well. So, I mean, you you played at Missouri. You were, you were a coach yep. at Missouri. They're coming in. Yep. So did, did, does it raise it at all for you, any, any extra level than if it was, you know, like next week at Alabama?
0: I mean, most of the guys that I, you know, had connections with are no longer at Missouri. I mean, it's my alma mater, so the place will always be special to me. But, you know, I think we're, I'll, me personally I'll be able to attack this weekend like I would any other weekend. Um, it's always exciting to start conference play, though. That I think that jacks it up a little bit more than anything does.
1: I think you're right. I, that's exactly what it's about here. And and I'm, and maybe it was the same in the ACC, C two and any of the other conferences, but there's just nothing really to me is like the intensity of – a conference season in college baseball. I was used to minor league baseball for too long where winning didn't matter. And there's n- what what matters most when it comes to conference baseball, right?
0: Right, right. You know, we're going to be judged on how we do inside this conference and, and, and how we do in the best baseball conference in the country. That's how we'll be judged at the end of the day. So I think that it's really, again, really an exciting Exciting time around here. The guys are really fired up. I know us as coaches are fired up. We're just ready to get it out there and get it going,
2: man. I know we only got you for about another minute, but what do you think about those refurbished shipping containers in the outfield? Bill and I were joking around <laughs> a, a couple a uh, couple minutes ago. What do you think about those, man?
0: Man, those things look cool. Like I would love to be standing up there watching a game sometime. Obviously, if I wasn't coaching in one, but those things look awesome. Bill's
2: trying <laughs> to, a to cool. do a broadcast out of there, man. Yeah,
0: you got a grill. You That's got a, a good, good couch. idea. Now we're. Co- now we're talking. Now we're talking. Absolute. You guys should definitely Absolute. do a broadcast. about out in front of one of those things. Absolutely.
1: All right. Hey, Matt, we really appreciate you joining us today on a Friday. Thanks so much, and uh, good luck. We'll see you at Baum Walker later today.
0: Of course, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Like the Halftime Pod? Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com.